0: Welcome to another session of Rich Life Projects and uh, today on board is a pioneer of MMA, one of the Australian leading judo coaches and competitors back in the day, Dan Kelly. Welcome, my friend. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Rich. Mate, it's a pleasure and appreciate your time. What has been happening in the Dan Kelly's
1: life? Uh, A lot of judo. Already already spent 17 weeks away this year. With judo, I've actually taken on a full-time role with uh, the national team and we've got a centralised system down here now. So qualifying for Paris has started and obviously we just came off our most successful Commonwealth Games team ever uh, with uh, 10 of 11 people getting medals. Wow, that's that's sensational. Getting double the medals we've ever gotten before. So uh, it's all going well with that, but Yeah. yeah, flat out judo.
0: Judo, judo and the gym's going well, obviously, in Footscray here in Melbourne. Yeah, Resurgence Training
1: Centre, eighty six fucking Street Foot Hundred percent, Larry. in Yeah, now nah, all going well. We just had our Alta finale, or which used to be called Wimp to Warrior last week. Yep. So we've got a whole heap of Amis coming through. Uh, Alta slash Wimp to Warrior. I love, I so love the wh- concept. What's a,
0: the, that was the wimp, wimp to Warrior and the concept, and then it
1: changed to Alta. What's uh, how? Why did it change? What was the difference? So they did a, a new global branding. Oh, okay. uh, apparently in America, wimps a derogatory comment. Oh, so yeah. because they're trying to break into the American mark a little bit, alter, name, alters yeah. now here now, whereas down here we don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you either <laughs> wimp or you're not. Exactly. Uh, right. But, but it's, a great, it's a great concept, 20 weeks training, yep. five mornings a week, have an MMA fight at the end. Yeah, right. So, and the numbers, how many numbers you get to those? So this one was quiet. This yep. one was about 25. Okay. Uh, Pre-COVID, we were at 35 40 people in a program so it was awesome and
0: they actually fight in the cage the the guys have never fought before and then they jump in and have their first fight they have a bit bit like corporate fighter
1: 100 percent, exactly like corporate fighter they they have an mma fight at the end and it's great i mean various different reasons like a bucket list item for people people who need a change uh we had a lot of people coming out of covid uh like the isolation lockdown all that kind of stuff who really needed uh a leg up and that, and it really helped them. So. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do, Cause, um, uh, John Kavanagh, he was involved. Is he,
1: is he still involved? Yeah, he is. He's actually the first ever Wim to Warrior session I did yeah. was at his gym in SBG. Oh, okay. So I was over there training and That's he right. asked me to do a session. By the time I got back, obviously, uh, Nick Langdon, Rich Cranny owned Wim to Warrior. They were like, Hey, do you, do you want to run a season down here? I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah. So it was wow. good. Oh, good
0: and good, and that brings sort of new people who have never seen probably MMA or anything like that into the into the gym as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Give we do we, we do get a lot of um we do get a lot of retention from that as well. But uh, some people. I've never done yeah. MMA. Don't know anything about it. Do the program, and then they're they're hooked on martial arts.
0: Yeah. Oh well, that's that's a plus, isn't it? Yeah, and so. and as like as you know, as as we all know, with the martial arts, just changed lives, especially when they're just doing it for the first time, and they've got to go through that strict. Okay, well, it's twenty weeks. You know, I'm going to get off the piss. I'm going to you know try and eat right, and a lot of people do that for their bucket list to change their lives as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I kind of split it into two categories, people who are doing it to challenge themselves in a different way, who are already successful, and people who really need it, who need like a, a, a quick win, a yeah, quick win yeah, in okay. life to show that they can start something and finish and it. finish it, yeah. So that's the biggest one, and those people are the ones that get the most benefit out of it. Yeah, right? yeah. We had a social worker do it in the first season. I love telling the story. He knew nothing about MMA, but yeah. he's from the nice side of town, never really had any bad experiences, and when if I'm going to relate to the people I'm working with, I need to somehow manufacture myself to be under some kind of duress. That's right. And that's why I did the program. Yeah, beautiful. And it was fantastic. And then he left never did martial arts again, <laughs> but that was a, a, a bucket list but, item ticket. for him. But it's
0: like uh, when you do martial arts, you take that into your, your ordinary day life. So what he probably would have learned in 20 weeks, he would have taken back to the office and said, you know, this is what happens when you get under stress. This is what you've got to go. This is your thinking process. So, yeah, it's definitely a good, a good thing to do. A good thing to do. So let's go back to the early days of Dan Kelly, <laughs> the early little, the little boy. So you, you realistically, you've been in judo since seven years of age. Yep, started judo at seven. Seven. What was where you're born and bred in Melbourne, and you started judo at seven. Was that anything else? Any other sports that that you took up at that time?
1: Yeah, I was playing AFL footy as well. My okay. my dad did judo. So that's, that's how I got the
0: family sort of Family, uh, trait. family
1: thing, come down, have a go. Uh never really stopped, but yep. played footy up until I was under sixteens and a little bit in under nineteens and seniors. Yep. Always loved footy. Yep. But uh, but yeah, always stuck at it. it. Was my dream to go to the Olympics from when I was in grade five.
0: Wow. So. That's a good uh, that's a good goal. Yeah, a- and sticking to it. So you first obviously you train you started at Age seven, you went through to age thirteen. Uh, that's when you first had your judo a judo championship.
1: What's all that? That's leading up to that. <laughs> so that's that's nationals. Um, yeah. So I was a little bit of a later developer in terms of um, probably physically a little bit weak, okay. small, scrawny. Yeah. Um, and then like I didn't really do well until I was about 15, 16. Okay. So I stuck at it yep. until then, and then. Ball started rolling Starting a little bit the, then. Yeah,
0: so, okay. Did you do any like how did why did you get into judo other than your father? Was it, you, as you say, like uh, progressing through those years of underdevelop And uh, was it anything to do with like getting teased or bullied or anything like that? Or you
1: just is just your body and that's how, how it was? No, I unfortunately a little bit when I was younger, but yep. I mean, I'm sure every person who goes into combat sports. Was probably bullied as a kid. Ha, as some sort of story. Some of why sort of they story went into it? Why they went into it? I don't know if I stuck at it because of that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just just kept going, and, and then uh, and enjoyed it, and then went. You know, like oh, the dreams here, and yeah, yeah. Let's see where we can go. Yeah. So yeah, right. So you went
0: uh, obviously national team, uh, junior national team in nineteen ninety four. That's a lot of years ago. Nah, <laughs> ninety four. What. When you get to that stage and you get into the national team, what's the the actual mindset and the feeling like when you go, wow, I've, I've been at this since seven years of age and now I'm in the junior national team? What's what's that sort of – how did you feel at that stage of your, of your life? Oh,
1: I was proud. Like a lot of um, – at my club, a couple of the girls were quite good and national senior champions, so we are a small club. Um, yeah, I it was, it was proud, but it was just like a next step. Yeah, the next yeah. step. I was always looking to the next, the next step kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't until '96 when I started going overseas that yeah, I right. really realised that what I was up against, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. When so- you get
0: the difference, when you're sort of, I suppose, at at the uh, level in Australia, so your home home country, and then you step up, and obviously you fought at world world class levels in in other sports as well. Um, but yeah, that's a big eye opener, isn't it? When you
1: get to the world stage and you're like. Hang on, I thought I was actually not too bad. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Australia, Australia are minnows in judo. In reality, yeah. we're really low level compared to a lot oh. of others, especially back then. Yeah, a little bit better now in some areas, but um, but yeah, it was just like shit. This is not going to be so easy. Yeah, so, yeah, and that that was that was just fuel, really, yeah. to to keep motivation. To keep pushing, to, yeah, you know, okay,
0: just to get that. Right, okay, well, now I'm at the World Juniors, so you went on to obviously the. After the junior championships, then you went on to, um, to make the senior team. Two years later, difference in in regards to levels, obviously fighting juniors, and then you go to the senior levels. As you say, at the world stage is a little bit different in that in that way. And the team, what was the team involved? Obviously, I think judo back in like the ninety four to ninety six is it still wasn't really mainstream media,
1: was it back then? Not, not in Australia. No. no, in in the rest of the world, it was big. I mean, in France, it's huge. In it China and and all that, Japan, it's Japan? massive. Okay, Korea, China, it's reasonably big, but China's got so many people. They, are, yeah, true. You know, they they're good at a lot of sports. Uh, Eastern Europe with the Russians, yeah, yeah, okay, because Sambo,
0: yeah, oh, and it was of an course. Olympic
1: sport, so that was like it's massive. It was massive yeah. everywhere else. And the uh, first senior world titles I went to was in ninety seven, okay, uh, and that was in Paris in the Bercy Center. And there's like ten or fifteen thousand people in there. watching. Wow. You're, you're shitting yourself. I've never had that many. <laughs> I didn't realize. Didn't realize that many people knew what judo was. So that was a big experience. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, what I was nineteen, turning twenty. Then I was one of the youngest in the team at those times. So, yeah. Right. So I went from youngest, and I mean, for me, it wasn't. For me, it felt quick. I yeah, suddenly uh, was the oldest, but definitely, uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely.
0: But when you when you sort of that that young and going into obviously into the senior national team for judo and then you're in, say, Paris and you got the 15,000, 20,000 people. What's what's that experience like internally and, and your mindset going, wow, because you've probably never fought in front of that many people before?
1: No, no. It was uh, it was eye-opening, but it's yeah. it's an awesome experience too. Oh, 100%. How so many people get the opportunity to do that? So even at the time at 19 I was – self aware enough to go, Oh well, shit, I'm nervous, but it's like, well, how cool is this? Yeah. You know? So yeah. and I won one match, lost my second yep. in at uh, those at uh, those championships, which was okay. But uh but yeah, it was just another another great experience that I got to go through.
0: Yeah, so. wow. Wow, that's
1: great. And so once you've gone in the national teams,
0: overall you're going through the ranks and, and you've won the Australian title, obviously up to nine nine times. Is that correct? Yes. Nine times a national champion. Did, did it get to the stage where once you've won nine titles, you're like,
1: I'm a bit bored of this. I need, I need, I need to be motivated with something else or? Um, well, it's just uh, at times it was also a box ticker. So you had to win nationals to go overseas. Now oh, okay. now that's changed to world ranking list – it's results you get overseas more so than what you do domestically. Oh, true. <laughs> um, but it's still a box tick box ticker. You still yeah. have to be the number one in the country to be able to, to go to, places. To travel. Yep.
0: Well, how many insane then when you've obviously nine times champ what is the uh the like the most you've traveled obviously you cuz you travel extensively all over the world. How many how many countries would you say you've traveled because of the judo experience? Oh,
1: shit. 40 50. Really? Yeah, easily. Easily cuz we don't always get to go to the nicest, best yeah. countries. So, like I'm going to uh, Uzbekistan uh, next week. Yeah, right. Uh, we've been to Georgia. We've been to Kyrgyzstan. We've been to uh, I've been to Tunisia. I've been to Egypt.
0: Well, what's the mo- what's Europe. the most memorable? Like, if something hits you and someone said, you know, out of your sporting experience and you've travelled the world, in what country do you would you say, or or what experience would you say really you can remember, like sits in
1: your mind and you go, that was probably a, a great experience. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good one. Like there's a few countries I love going to. Yep. Like uh my wife's Hungarian, so Budapest oh, I always okay. love going to. Prague's a beautiful city yeah, right. as well. Uh not with Judo but with uh MMA got to go to Dublin. Yep, yep. That's an awesome place and also Montreal. Yeah, Dublin. Okay. I, I always hear Dublin's a beautiful place. Beautiful, beautiful. But there there I love Central Europe. Yeah, so, right. So so that that was one of the coolest coolest places it's, it's to go beautiful. and also Egypt. Oh, really, yeah? It was interesting as well, only because you went to the Pyramid and yeah, had all yeah, of that true. stuff. The place wasn't that nice. There was no, no – um, there's no traffic lights, it seems, there. I was there in 2005, and I swear every car on the road had a ding in it. Oh, and yeah? There was no lanes, and everyone was going <laughs> everywhere. It was, it was a circus. Nothing like the Thailand. There's
0: millions of cars in Thailand, and if you do something wrong, you just get your horn beeped. Yeah, exactly. Beep beeped out of way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. In Egypt, <laughs> they smash into you, yep. each other. Wow, so that's a massive experience, and you are the only, compared realistically, to fight when it comes to judo
1: to fight in all uh, four different Olympic games. Yes, yeah, so my wife actually has competed in five, but two of them for, were for Hungary. Oh, so okay. She's done three for Australia, one bronze in Sydney, and I am the only Australian who's competed in four Olympics. For wow! Judo. So four Australia. So, so yeah. yeah, so when you when you get to that stage, you've
0: again at the age of seven. As you say, uh, at a very young age, you go, I want to fight the Olympics. When you, when you get selected for the Olympics, then you, you're going to your first Olympics. You've done four of them. But when you go to your first one, what's that experience like? That's like you've re- – you've, realistically, you've reached your pinnacle. You've gone, this is my dream. This is what I want to do ever since I was a kid. What's, what's that? And where was the first Olympics that you turned up? Sydney.
1: Oh, so- all right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that memory will stay with me forever. Like walking out. Was that the 2000? 2000. Oh, well, that would have walking been Walking out, crazy. walking out, walking out for the opening ceremony. Okay. I remember us being underneath the stadium. Yeah, right. And the whole place shaking. Yeah, And right. then when we're walking out, like 100,000 people screaming for the Australian wow. team. That, that memory will stay with me forever. Yeah. And then the competition as well. I've never been so nervous in my life. Yeah, um, right. First round, I had an American guy who was, Olympic silver medalist in 92. Wow. He beat me earlier that year. Yeah, okay. I beat him at the games, won two and lost two, finished old top 10, which I don't really count. Like top yeah, eight yeah. up we count. Yeah. But, um. It was a great experience. I was going to say. 20, just, 22, 23. Wow. Yeah, spent a lot of time on the mat. You know, yeah, yeah. Four matches, so yeah, it was like Sydney's the one that you know, always yep. stays in my heart the most cause it was the first one as well. So. Yeah,
0: right. And the other other ones you traveled to, I think there was Rio, Japan. So Rio and
1: Japan, I was coach. coaching. Yeah, um Athens, Beijing. Uh, England as competitors. Athens is where I got my best result. I was made, say a- a Athens
0: uh, is more like where they say the Olympics started. Yes, that would have been a great experience too. Just it was in regard cool. home hometown or home country yep. of the Olympics, and you're competing there, and you got your best result. You say,
1: yeah, got best result, finished top eight there. That was um that was good. It was um it was funny though. Like the Greeks are pretty laid back. Yeah, so okay. On the day of the opening ceremony in the village, they're rolling out um grass to be put down. Like oh, one, really? all the athletes are around by halfway through the games, there's tiles falling off the walls oh. and stuff. like <laughs> they, they didn't care at all. Yeah, right. But, uh, but, yeah, that was a cool experience. And I've never been back to Greece since. Oh, haven't so, you? Right. So it was uh, was really cool because Ju- Greece isn't a huge judo country. There's some really strong athletes from there, but yeah. not a huge they're, they're judo more, Would they be more the wrestling? The Greek? They, they, do, they do do a bit of wrestling, but I don't think they're a huge sporting nation yeah, anymore. Okay. So I think they've got a lot of- economic issues as a country yeah, as well. True, true. So, so, Wow, yeah. That,
0: yeah, what an experience to go back to the home homeland of yeah. the Olympics itself. So you and then you go to obviously uh, the other ones
1: you competed at. Uh, yeah, yeah, Beijing, at and Beijing and London. Didn't do as well in them as I want. Like, so London was interesting. Uh, it was a little bit political. I actually coached four other people in the team. Okay. And I fought a higher weight division. There was a new world ranking list system. So the only way for me to go was to compete. And so I fought upper weight division from what I would normally do. Okay. Qualified through the world ranking list, but was there for the athletes that I helped along Help the way coached. as well. So, yeah, right. so it was a little bit of a navigation there, yeah, but yep. it's also good to be able to qualify under this new world ranking system that that's they got had as well. a new system going now. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. And, Again, the obviously the Rio Japan, the Summer Olympics. When you when you went to your fourth Olympics and you said, All right, obviously the age, obviously you're going four years each time in the Olympics, so obviously the age is going up and up <laughs> and up. And then what sort of was your passion then once you finished obviously um, Olympics then to go, right, now I'm gonna go and coach?
1: Well, I was already so, coaching before. During that, okay. So I coached athletes two thousand yep. and eight and two thousand and twelve. At, at, a, at a club level yeah right. and so then I started being national coach still had my club but um just organically happened yeah so. yeah
0: as it as it probably would after four uh, four Olympics and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> getting getting older so once you you've gone through the Olympics uh, you've changed your hand you've obviously the judo uh, champion that you are and was you've you've turned to MMA. Well how how was that for you when you when you change you obviously said from uh, you know the judo throws everything else to do with judo then you then you come into MMA where you got to then learn everything the boxing kickboxing all the rest of it how how was that transition
1: yeah. <laughs> for the Dan Kelly That was interesting so I actually wrestled uh, at Commonwealth Games in two thousand and two, did you? So I've always done different sports. From two thousand and seven, I was also doing BJJ, okay, as well to complement my training. And I retired for a couple of years after two thousand and eight. I actually had four kickboxing fights, okay, in that time because I love competition. Yeah, and yeah. And I yeah. just I've always been a fan of MMA. Now I didn't necessarily put all the pieces together that that's the path I'd take. But yeah. then once two thousand and twelve finished. An opportunity popped up and I went, yeah, sure. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, And yeah. then it just kept going from there. Like I learned a lot of my striking just in between times. Like yeah, I was working yeah. at a restaurant 45 hours a week, 50 hours a week, coaching the judo club and then sneaking to do kickboxing and MMA training in around when I could. And then it yeah, just Took off from there.
0: Yeah, okay. Cause that was your like your pro your pro um, MMA two thousand and six, obviously. <laughs> getting into the pro. You know, how that was
1: uh, where where was that where was that hosted at? In Melbourne here or was it No, that was in Melbourne. That was something called Dojo KO. Okay. So that was on a raised blood sport platform. Oh, and one oh, of the right. ways you could win was to throw your your opponent out of the off the platform onto the ground. So that's how I won. I actually fought a guy called Ross Dallow who'd had five MMA fights when I, I had him. Yeah. And that's how I won. Second round threw, throw, him, off. threw him off three times in a round. Oh, so of. is that oh say so if you th- throw them off the platform three times and you don't go off with them. Yeah. You win the fight. Yeah, really. So, so wow. <laughs> I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever seen that. Uh, no, it's, uh, it was it was really interesting, and um, Hector Lombards the one who got me into that. Oh, did he? So he was he was training at the old Hangar Four, like the original one. George Soderoplis was there, so was yeah. Sam Greco. Hangar um, Four. I'm
0: just trying to think. Uh, was it that, that wasn't Carl Draper back then? No, was that
1: was back then. It was a guy called Tyrone Cross.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Um uh, like a long, long time yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Hector came in one night and goes, "Oh, do you want to have a fight?" So well, I've never boxed before. Yeah, 2006. He goes, you, "No problem." No problem. And then he proceeded to try and knock me out in sparring. I I've never done this. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. So two weeks later, we had a fight. <laughs> wow. That's- and then then I went back to judo. Yeah, I was going to say, it was that when you had that
0: pro debut? Obviously, you uh, it's it's sort of you had the time off the six years going back to obviously with judo commitments. Uh, when you when you finished up the judo commitments, you're like, this is you know, I'm done there, but. What was, what was the part where you went back to the judo commitments and then you went, okay, I've got an opportunity to go back into MMA? What was that mindset in regards to, okay, I'm going to now I'm going to put all my time into MMA?
1: Well, it didn't start like that. It started okay. with me going, I love MMA. I want to challenge. Man, the first, it was hard to get a match up to start with.
0: What was it? Okay.
1: Um, and they wanted to give me guys who'd had 20 fights yeah, for
0: yeah, my yeah. second
1: fight kind of thing. And I was like, so I ended up fighting a guy called Fabio Galeb. Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, and he'd had five or six fights, I yeah. think. Uh, and yeah, that was a crazy experience as well. But, uh, I didn't really, until I cut down to 84, Yeah, I
0: right. didn't
1: really push that hard. So I was still fighting. I think I fought that one at 96. Oh, okay. And then after I fought again in South Australia, I went, they're a little bit too big. I'll cut down to 84. Yeah. But it was funny. When I first said I'd do it, they all laughed at me and said, you're never going to make 84 kilos. And then that and was that, where my career was. Yeah, so, right. So, yeah, and then it wasn't until the opportunity with the house came up that I went, I will we'll give this a real roll of the dice. And yeah. when I was 30, 35, nearly 36. Yeah, right. Is that when you uh,
0: – when, when did you go? Because obviously you've done – you went back to MMA – after the judo commitments, uh, but then 2000 and 2012, I think you come back, they had five wins. Yep. And then you had the opportunity to do the tough series, I think it was. Yep. Uh, I think it was Kyle Noak's coach, the coach. Yep. Adrian Pang and all the crew yep. over yep. there yep. In, in Canada. Yep. That experience, you know, going into the experience you already had, now you're with the team and you would have been the the older of, of the team. Yep. What was, what was that like? One, obviously living in a house in Canada with Kyle Nogue, Adrian Pang, and some of the other boys. Oh, they didn't
1: stay with us. They were lucky. Oh, no, they could they do were, what
0: they wanted. I know, I know what I know what Mr. Noak's like. He's got to have the five star. Or yeah, a, you yeah know. No, he had it easy. <laughs> had it easy. Had it easy. So, <laughs> so you guys just stayed
1: in the house with, with the, the Canadians. Other, with yep. the Canadians, okay. Camera crews in there. It was a horrible experience. Was it? I hated it. Really? No contact with the family. Oh, obviously, wow. my oldest son's got quite a few health issues. So. Yes, yes. I didn't deal with the situation as well as I could have. I was yeah. very stressed yeah, about that yeah, and true. I was – I hated it. So you talk to Jake Matthews or another boy, Tyler. Yeah, Tyler. Totally they're like, yeah. they're like we, we could do this any day. And yeah. I'm just like
0: – Yeah, right. Because I, I, I was – I think I was at the Sunshine Coast back then, but I was here and uh, – through the grapevine, Tyler was a bit of a, bit of a wild old boy going out, partying and then coming back to the house and then having to train and then, then fight.
1: No, partying in the house. Oh, partying in the house. Partying, yeah. So we went to a, uh, function at a, uh, we got to watch the Canadians play at the Bell Centre. Oh, okay. And he rode himself off. Really? <laughs> and then we went back and he was, he was crazy. But I tell you what, Tyler is probably the most talented oh. individual I've ever, Ever met? Yeah,
0: he was he was training at uh, Integrated Sunshine Coast when I was there. I didn't have too much to do. He come in a couple of times, and I think it was the part when he come back from the house, and he sort of didn't really continue on with his fighting career. I right. think he was just a bit wayward off off some stuff. But uh, Rob Graffita, who was the head coach of Integrated back then. And and I was watching Tyler with his fights locally on the Sunshine Coast, and that is that is a guy that always stood out. And I was like, what a waste of talent! That guy, you know, he had such potential, and and couldn't and just didn't go forward with it, which is a sad thing. But anyway, as you say, like when he got to that stage, whether it was just being young and around other crew and just partying and and that you know, obviously obstacles that, and uh, little sort of enticements on the side always grab you if you're not sort of careful as
1: those, but he was definitely a talent, wasn't he? Oh, crazy. Most talented guy. No, I'm in a house with Jake Matthews as well. Yeah, yeah. Who's And Jake gets, Jake gets narky when I say Tyler was more talented than you were. No, was but those two boys, ridiculously talented, but Tyler just picked stuff up so easy. And obviously Jake's. Still, one of the top welterweights in the world. Yeah. And yeah grew yeah. up in the uh, octagon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those two boys, very talented. Very, very talented.
0: Yeah. And the Canadian uh, Canadian experience? Because
1: uh, you know, I, I, I think it was snowing over there yeah, at that time. Yeah, it was time. cold. It was, yeah. Uh, probably, probably minutes. as you say,
0: it wasn't a good experience for you because you're going, well, it's cold. I'm stressed. Yeah. And
1: then I've got to fight. Yeah. And I don't even want to really be here. Yeah. It, was, sh- it was shit. It was shit. And I, it's my fault because I didn't uh, I didn't deal with this situation as well as I yeah, should have. Okay. Lost the fight in the house, hurt my knee, came out. Yeah. Had one more fight. Luckily Joe Silver put me in. Yeah. And then yeah, then that's
0: so you went know, from the tough series, uh, the or oh, I think it's called the Nation series. And then uh, that was 2013, 2014. Then obviously as you say, Joe Silver back then the matchmaker. Then uh, introduced you or con- signed you for the UFC?
1: Yeah, after I had one more fight. So I had one more fight against a guy called Ben Kelleher.
0: Yes, yep. Yeah. Um, you won that, obviously. Uh, yeah, I won, won that in the first round, um, which was good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Kimora, <laughs> Yes. Yes, remember yeah. So with so you're gone now. You've yeah you've signed with the UFC and you're an older older type of competitor. Every everyone from from my experience when. Watching the UFC and and being involved in in the striking side of things uh, with some of them, everyone sort of to me it was like you were the just the person who was they were just putting in one to fill the numbers to start with and then just go okay let's just see this you know he probably won't win this but just put him in there and then you kept on you kept winning <laughs> you kept winning what was what was the mindset how did you feel when you got in there and. Obviously, you're the older competitor. What was what was your, you know, mindset and experience going, right, well, now I've made it to – you've already done the judo at the highest level in the world. Now you're fighting the world stage with the MMA at the top of stage. What what was the mindset there? Did you think that you're – because of the – whether it was the age or um, they are putting you in to fight whoever, what was your mindset there just to, you know, compete
1: or obviously you're going to give it a good crack of – you know, the, the weight division? Um, so when I first got in, obviously media and social media are very unkind. Oh. You, know, like you don't deserve to be there. So winning that first fight was really, really important because it went, I can do it here. 100%. Now I won yeah. the second fight in Denver, lost my third, and then went on a four-fight win streak. Yes. And that was where they just kept throwing me in there. And it was it was cool, actually, because yeah. – Like it was being able to relive my athletic career in another athletic career at a high level. Definitely, definitely. And obviously it was financially rewarding as well. (laughs) And
0: and, and at that stage you had the house that you said that, you know, once you start the financial part, and I think with the MMA it's – you Know it was 50% to turn up and then 50% yep. when you get win when you show. win.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: So then when you start that, hang on, I'm winning fights and you're getting paid so called double, that would have been yeah, that would have been sensational. It was
1: nice, it was nice, it was good for the business. Um, but just yeah. rewarding too for the, I suppose, the years that you've done a lot of the sport for the love of it. Yeah, it was a, it's a definitely a different uh balance. Yeah, also makes me more grateful for the experiences I had in judo and that's, I mean, judo is always going to be my first passion, but it was really, really interesting. And and, and it was an opportunity for me to compete still. Like physically I couldn't do judo because judo it's six days a week, the same thing. Getting oh, hammered all the time. Yep. MMA, if I'm physically sore, I can do something else. That's so right. if I'm too yeah, sore to that. grapple, I can strike. If I'm yep. hands are sore, I can grapple. So I could manage it a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah. And I managed all that myself. So yeah, I had true. good coaches. Andy Colgrave was a great coach, but he's yep. a he's a Muay Thai guy. Okay. Yeah. Right. No MMA experience at all. But yeah. he's he's coached quite a few MMA strikers now, like yep. in the UFC. Yeah. Jack Jenkins just got signed this week, and he's his striking right. coach. Yeah, yeah. Um So, Cal Potter as well. So, we've rolled on that way. But uh, I used to manage all of that
0: just, just yourself, just myself through experience. A little bit different these days, isn't it? Like, yes, you got the fighters, then they got the strength conditioning coaches, then they got the nutritionists, then they got this coach, that coach. But again, it's I did it all myself. Yeah, that's that's a crazy all myself crazy. The nutritional
1: side, yep. Weight cut obviously in the sessions. The coaches would run, but the overall game plan, yeah. overall structure will be discussed, Yeah. and then we'd run that way. So it's very different now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So And that that helped gain experience for me coaching-wise as well because mm. I'd already coached a lot in judo. True. <clears throat> and yeah. that's why Kyle Noak, awesome coach. Yeah, yeah. Not awesome coach, awesome guy. Awesome human. Coaching, Coaching-wise, when I went in there, we yeah. probably – Clashed a little bit? Not clashed. No no one clashes with Kyle. No, no, that's true. Um, There's no arguments with him. Yeah. So, um, so it was just interesting for me because, you know, like I, I had a lot of coaching experience as well. And again, that was my inability to just let go of things and go, okay, we're just here for the ride kind of thing. But, uh. But yeah, and I love Kyle. Oh, yeah, 100%. He's one of, the, one of the
0: best humans even to the, today. He's opened so many doors for me in, yep. in this MMA world. Um, but just as I say, I've got him on a podcast coming down soon and uh, you, you just wouldn't meet another human that is really a genuine dude
1: very genuine dude and you know? he's Peter Pan. He's never going to grow up that
0: guy. No way. And that's why that's why I love talking to him cuz when you can get onto him that is cuz you yeah. can never get onto him but uh, when you talk to him and and I'm looking forward to spending some time with him, yeah, it's just like you're around you're around another kid. Yeah, exactly. And that no, that, that, that can uh, mean that I'll be back to being a kid again. Yeah. <laughs> being that. So you've gone through the UFC sign where winning fights so you got the in 2014 Uh, 2015 and some of the names that that you fought, uh, and again, you know, from my outside point of view, which I thought the you know how they was how they were giving you fighters, was just to keep putting names in front of you for the other name to advance with a win over Dan Kelly. That's how I seen it, and knowing the fight game that I do, um, you know, you got Sam Alvary. Alvey, Alvey, yeah, we smile and he knocked me out. So that yeah, wasn't so ideal. What's the mindset from the athlete then? And you go into that fight and you do get knocked out. What's the what's the recovery to that in in regards to mindset, um, motivation? Obviously disappointed. There's a lot of emotions going on. How? how in your, in your sort of experience, how did you move forward to go, okay, well, that happened to me? Because sometimes you get a fighter who gets knocked out and you don't see him again, might be for two years, because it just plays on their mind and they just can't get past that barrier. And But you continued on. Even at, at the age that you were in the UFC and you were still winning fights, what was that that experience being knocked out and then going, this is what I've got to do to get back up and keep going?
1: Was that from the judo experience? Hundred yeah, percent. I've been. I've lost a heap of judo matches. <laughs> Never quite. Not. Yeah, you lost a heap in judo. Didn't. Didn't always react the best way. Not a good loser at all. Yeah. <laughs> Not a good loser at all. Just I worked my ass off for that yeah. fight that Eddie had. I was in very very good shape. Yeah. Okay. So all we did was make a few tweaks. Yeah. The hard, The interesting thing was when I went into MMA my body was already broken. Yeah. I'd already true, had a shoulder yeah. Rico, knee Rico. From the judo. Needed knee surgery, my hips, my elbow, my wrist, my neck, all that stuff was already not great. Yeah. So we just had to manage my physical limitations, yeah. but find avenues to victory. That's right. That's so right, that's, yeah. that's what we did. So I became more box heavy. I, yeah, did, yeah, I didn't okay. kick that much, especially against, um, Southpaws. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. And then obviously it's always to get in to be able to fight my game, make yeah. it a little bit yeah. messy, put pressure on to get into a clinch. So yeah. it was all about being able to impose my game. Now, yeah. obviously my striking had to be good enough because I've also outstruck some good guys. 100%. But, but it was – everyone says awkward style. Yeah, but yeah. I say awkward but, but style. Some, but so. sometimes
0: when you get um, tainted with awkward style – that, and when you're winning those fights, it doesn't really care what style you're doing. No, couldn't give a shit. No. If, you're, if, you're winning, <laughs> if you're winning fights and getting paid, exactly. who cares? And I know, I mean, you've seen over the years boxing, uh, Muay Thai, kickboxing, MMA. You see a lot of people go, he's so awkward. And I'll give you an example like Sam Solomon, the local yes. Melbourne champion, yep. one of the most unorthodox fighters you'll ever see fight, but gets the job done and has got the job done in boxing, and back in the day, even when I was going around kickboxing, yep. he was world champion kickboxer. But he would throw things that we'd think, "How did he even throw that? How did he even hit that person with that?" <laughs> but that's again, when sometimes when you're tainted with unorthodox or or messy styles, if it's if it's getting the win and the and the paychecks, it's a win to win. Exactly, you're, st- right. you're still you're still ticking the ticking the boxes for those. Yeah, exactly. And when so you you fought, obviously going got through that. Um, With the loss with Sam, 2006, you carry on. You're going through uh, some wins, some losses, and then the 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 ones that obviously 2017, getting close to your finishing time uh, in the MMA world. And the one that that does stand out for me is the Rashad Evans fight, because realistically, Rashad Evans was a back in the day middleweight or whatever weight light heavyweight heavyweight uh, world champion, the UFC. And, and that fight, again, when the social media is the, oh, here we go, oh, my God, Dan's going to get KO, oh, my God, he's going to get – were you feeling that going into that fight? Obviously, you've got your game plan going into that fight. What was your, what was your personal thoughts in, in regards to leading up to – you're just about to fight pretty much like a Hall of Famer, and everyone's doubting me. That must play on your mind a bit. Not one little bit. Really? Well wow. so,
1: so it was interesting. Um, I was on a three fight win streak by then. Yep. And I just wanted to get a fight.
0: Yeah, okay. And I
1: they couldn't match me, couldn't match me. And I got a call from Mick Maynard. Will you fight Rashad Evans? And I put the hand I was actually at lunch with uh Andy, my coach, and Cal Potter. I'm like, uh am I allowed to fight Rashad Evans in six weeks? Because we've been training. Yeah. Like, yeah. I said, Yeah, yeah, no problem. Done. It was his first drop to middleweight because he'd had some issues. Getting clearance, Vegas, they clear everyone. 100%. First, first fight at middleweight, just pure excitement. Wow, pure yeah, excitement. Yeah. That's the challenge I wanted. Yeah, I was yeah, just like, yeah. awesome, yep. awesome. So I didn't really care. No, no. I didn't care what anyone else said. I really don't normally anyway. Yeah, if I yeah, cared true. what other people said, oh, I, I, I probably you wouldn't have started MMA. You wouldn't have even started judo probably. Exactly right. So it's just like I didn't care. That was just so exciting. The only interesting thing was I remember – being first in the cage, being in the blue corner, standing there, and then his music coming on and him walking out, I just went, holy fuck, that's Rashad Evans <laughs> <Ellings> coming <laughs> this wow. way! Wow, am I actually watching him or am I yeah, actually fighting yeah, him? Yeah, exactly, he's coming this way, and then as soon as the cage door shuts, you go straight into the business mode <laughs> in the anyway. Business but mode, yeah. That was that was an awesome experience. Yeah, hundred awesome percent.
0: And what yeah. and the game plan leading up to that. Obviously, you're taking on one of the icons of the MMA world. What what was and you're trying to again manage your body at that stage, and obviously your mindset, as you say, is strong as ever because you're just going. I need a challenge. So the, nothing wrong with the mindset, the body you're managing, and then the game plan going into that fight. What was The coaches or yourself, what was that game
1: plan? Always. So big thing we noticed, it's very specific with Rashad, is he didn't like hand fighting. So when John Jones fought him, didn't like hand fighting. Added to which he doesn't like southpaws. Luckily I was a southpaw. Southpaw, So we worked on that hand fighting. I, Because of the judo background, obviously wrestlers shoot. So it was always about crowding and pressure and (laughs) – Everything went to plan. I couldn't take him down, but he really didn't take me down either. No, no. So that was nullified, and yeah, I outstruck
0: him. Yeah. So, and I think, and that was that was the interesting part from a from a striker's point of view. And you, I'm watching the fight, and I'm seeing you outstrike Rashad and I'm like, man, this. I think, and I at that stage in 2007, I'm, I'm sitting there going, I think Dan's got this. <laughs> After every round went by, I'm like. I think Dan's got it. He's, he's out doing it. And what I liked about it, was that, that really stands out about that fight, every time I think of that fight every now and again, and I go, the the tapping of the front foot. Yeah, the little trip, yes. The little trip on the, the front foot. Yep. Which then seemed to then heighten your striking with the hands, which caught him off guard. Was the tapping of the foot, was that in the actual game
1: plan as yep. well, leading up to that? Absolutely. Who come up with that? Absolutely marvelous idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so orthodox to Southport, I often hit the front foot. Helps me gauge range. Also yes. ensures that my foot's on the outside, which, yep. as you know, that's the rule opposite sense. Because opposite sense win yeah, the foot yeah, battle. Yeah, yeah. That ensured that, and it also made him always have to turn, which mean I had the first shot at him. Yep, and then I could keep cutting angle again. So yeah, that yeah. was that was part of plan. And because he's quite heavy on his front foot. Yeah. as a boxer more. Uh, yep. It, it works quite well
0: yeah yeah I'll, I'll see when every time you're tapped and it's good when you see that that game plan when you tap the front foot their weight falls forward because there's their weight on their front foot so heavy but then puts you in the range of that punching and that's where I've seen once the the foot was tapped and your left cross was landing your your hooks were landing and I'm like that's when I was like Dan's got this fight. Like he's <laughs> he's winning the striking, and I thought, I thought Rashad would have gone back to the wrestling or tried to take you down, which he tried to take down, but again didn't take you down. Um, I thought there. I thought that was in in my mind all the time. I always think whenever someone, oh Dan Kelly, I always think the fight that I always remember is the Rashad Evans one. <laughs> in regards to that foot tapping, was was an ideal game plan, and that's why I thought, man, that's that's the the game plan. Whoever come up with that. <laughs> As you say yourself, was it was a genius idea. Now and then you faced Derek Bronson. Yeah, that was a horrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> where, where was that fight? Obviously, it was a uh, UFC one ten or something.
1: No, no, it was in New Zealand.
0: Oh, okay. Was that Mark Mark? Mark Hunt, um, uh, big beast. Derek Lewis, yes, the Black Beast or something. Yep. That's right. Because I think I was, I had Ross Pearson over there. Yes, and he yep. fought Dan Hooker. Yes, and that wasn't a very memorable night for me. No, no, no it wasn't a great night. Ross, so. uh, Ross again had to get new teeth for that one.
1: Yep, <laughs> uh, sing out to
0: Roscoe. Uh, yeah, so but yeah, I oh, say so that's that's right. I do remember on that card, and I think. Um, who was the Who was the coach in your corner at that time? Because I remember dealing with him in kickboxing a lot. And
1: Andrew Colgrave, yep, that's my main coach. Yeah, and also Brett Franklin.
0: Brett Frank, that's that's yep. one. When yep. we used to travel to Melbourne back in the day with kickboxing, I used to see Brett
1: Franklin. He was he was quite a great. He was an excellent ki- at- kickboxer back in the day. Excellent Muay Thai. Good southpaw. He, I did a lot of training with him, and yeah. he was a great guy to have yeah, around. Yeah,
0: and a good human too. Like a 100%. really just genuine, just friendly, uh, Big, friendly guy. Big, strong.
1: He was in a in a clinch and a grapple as well, yep. which we did a lot. Yeah. Like they used to call him the beast. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's, he was really, really
0: very, good. Yeah, very, very good skills as a kickboxer and Muay Thai back in the day, even when I was traveling to Melbourne for fights. Yep. He would be on the cards, and I'd always be interested in going, you know, I'm going to watch this dude. Uh, there was – I think he broke his leg there at one stage because yes. he was fighting uh, Trevor Looms. That's right, yep. old Trevor Looms, the journeyman. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, wow, well, you know, Brent will just you know take this to town. And then I think he done an inside kick and broke Trevor. His leg. Oh yep. man, that was a terrible <laughs> night. I remember that. That was I was at, at that event and I was like, oh no, that was. Yeah, but
1: he—I yeah, think he—he he carried on after came, he got came back after that. Came back yep. after that. He's got a big plumbing business now down. In Has Long. he? Yep. Oh wow! Really? So yeah, so I haven't seen Brett for ages. But he was—he was a awesome. Part of my journey and a great guy. Yeah, always okay. brought good gravity to the situation. Yeah, yeah. so um, good. So yeah. good. I,
0: I've I haven't crossed paths with him too much in in my time since uh, the early days of what you know coming down here for fights, Muay Thai or kickboxing. But he always stood out as one of the one of the great dudes that I always
1: crossed paths with, and it was just a genuine, respectful dude. Yeah, you know, he was good. Him and Andy, uh, they were coached by Jeb. Okay, Sitchatom. yes, yes. And so that's where all that connection came oh, from, Andy and, right Andy right and um, Bred are good mates. Yep. And then, yeah, so my corner was two Muay Thai guys and Gustavo Falsiori, who's a MMA BJJ guy, but yep. Gustavo's crazy. Great, uh, great knowledge of MMA and yep. BJJ, but, um. Just crazy. Crazy guy. Crazy <laughs> guy. <So.
0: laughs> and That's why we tend to hang around, don't we, yeah, sometimes? It's, it sort of yeah. gives us a little bit. Uh, then, you obviously, 2017, um, you fought Elias. Yeah, Elias. You the, just the passed, passed away, I know. unfortunately. I, I was going to say, the, um, that's crazy how, like, because I think I spent some time with him in Sydney. Yep. And you would have been in the house with him yep. uh, in Canada for the Tough Series. That, that, was, that was quite a, a bit of a shock to me. Yeah, very sad. Because uh, he didn't really uh, – you don't. You didn't hear much of it. No. What
1: he was dealing with. No. Well, yeah. It just all of a sudden came up. Just so uh, very sad.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, you you lost that fight. Yeah. That was the two thousand and um. No, but that was only for uh unanimous decision. Yeah. In regards that was to that.
1: probably my worst fight in the year. True USA. that. Yeah, I didn't wasn't good mentally. Yeah. Uh, he annoyed me a little bit. In social media before, because we're actually, I thought we're on good terms. Yeah, okay. Um, so he, done, but, he he done his job- Yeah, he did men, his job men, really mental well. Mental warfare. Really well. Also, I was 40 then. So okay. So my body was- Ready like to it finish was, up. It was, you know, you train one day, and it'd take me two days, and I'd still train, but it take me two days to recover- Fully recover. From a heavy training session, like- an, when you get to that stage, it's it's pretty hectic. It's, you know, it's, it's hard, yeah, uh, hard. But the stubbornness in me just wanted to keep dragging on. And then yeah. by the time we had the last fight, it was just yeah, oh, I just physically couldn't couldn't yeah, train true. enough. I'd feel fragile most of the tra- time training. Yeah. And the that weight how, cuts how, not how hard, would that, easy. Like
0: your body's obviously coping through that. You're, you're 40 years of age now. Where where do, where is mentally do you sit with that? Like it's you you. Half of you going, No, I'm i I'm a persistent bastard. I just want to keep pushing. And obviously different factors. One, your competitiveness. Two That, you that get... never stops. That never stops. Two you two, you probably you going, I still want to keep making good coin yep. while I can. But mentally, do you are you telling yourself, you know, just keep pushing. You know your body can't handle it. Or I was going through that
1: stage. What's your mental capacity at that, 2017? 2017. 2017, 18, just keep pushing, but it, w- it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. And, um, I mean, you just have to accept you get old. 100 you know? If, if my body was still okay, yeah. I'd still be competing. Yeah, you are. no question. Yeah, the mind the mind, no, the the mind, mind probably stop, still always stays strong. But in the body you just have to accept you don't. Know, I've gotten very fat now. That's probably a defense I mean, mechanism. No, I wasn't going to say yeah, that. I was going to say that jumper fits <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> so that was probably a bit of a defense mechanism as well. Okay, um, to just go you can't do it anymore physically. Yeah, um, not ideal. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, yeah. I was forty, almost forty-one. When yeah, uh, when well, I true. had my last fight, and, that was was that the last no, fight with two thousand eighteen? Yeah, two thousand eighteen in um Liverpool, and I ne- oh in London, in London, yeah. Oh wow, and, and I've never obviously had any pharmaceutical help that some of the other older guys have competed with. Now I, I know what it's like competing at an older age.
0: I was going to say it's yeah. not
1: so easy when you're a clean athlete. No, no, you no, know, and I've been tested. Since I was 18 with judo. Oh, true. So you all been too. the way through my career and obviously with the UFC.
0: But not that, so easy. Yeah.
1: Not yeah. so easy with no help. But that, that's what I mean. That's, I suppose, when you talk about
0: Mark Hunt now, when he's going on this, the crusade to in his lawsuits with MMA um, franchise. Yep. Then basically, now from your point of view, now you can understand why. Probably that point, and any, anyone, I suppose, anyone can understand. When you go, hey, he's cheating. You
1: know, I, I wasn't cheating, but I'm get, I'm losing. Yeah, or- no, no, I've spoken to Mark about it. Have before. You? But yeah. um, yeah, it's just that's that's what they do,
0: you yeah. know? like and, and and get away and get away with it sometimes. But it's it's not a
1: there's no real punishment. It's just time out, and then they're straight back in. That's that's a frustrating thing. They go, oh, you're suspended for 12 months. But we'll keep your contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll have another big money fight in 12 months. Just go and do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, is, the drug cheats, same as in judo, is in all true? Olympic sports. Is it Now, judo's much harsher. Is it? But um, it's also up to the national federations as well. Okay. So they get suspended, yep. but the national federation can still look after them. Yeah, you think about Russia
0: oh, with yeah, its,
1: its state-funded state yeah, God.
0: yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you know?
1: true, So true. it's just the Brazilians aren't great either. No. So, but, you know, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into in sport. True that, true that. Know? So but that's it, that's yeah. a, that's the flip side. You know, I can bitch and moan. That's right, that's right. Or I can just go, it's, yeah, it's not, it's I'm going to really beat gonna you even it. if you are going to cheat. Yeah, that's, that's right. It, yeah.
0: So. Yeah, no, that's un- understandable. So when you're 2018, you finish up with your your career, what, um, and, and during that, time, obviously, as you said earlier on with the family-wise, I mean, that that takes its toll on the family. Uh, but the, the plus side, you said the wife is in the Judo Federation. Yep. So that probably helps your cause where uh, being away from home a lot um, helps the home because She's your boss, so to yes, speak. Well, yes, yeah. she's
1: your boss at home and in the office. She's my boss everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. I, I, at the gym, I'm kind of allowed to do what I want. Yeah, but true that. She's my boss, but she's she's awesome, and yeah. because she was a high level athlete herself, she understands. She understands, but yeah. that's how lucky our judo program is. Yeah, they've right got right. someone with that experience that knows, like, leading the way kind of thing. Yeah, So yeah, they're yeah. very lucky. with Yeah, her.
0: yeah. And and your son, you said, uh, was going through a bit of a uh, bit of Um, Troubles
1: as well What's Uh, So he's got a uh, He's actually got a rare genetic disease He's had a kidney transplant Oh, He already Um, has has he Already has had So But that's I mean Yeah We've been dealing with that since he was born
0: Yeah okay
1: So yeah So that's uh, He's okay at the moment Yep Um, But yeah That's always something we have to deal with Always just dealing with it At that time Yep
0: and, what, um, and so going through your career and obviously family life, but just life in general, if, if someone, if a younger person coming along, male or female these days, everything's uh, going through, the, through the, the sporting side and you're, you're sort of more, you know, you're experienced and you're coaching, you're everything, mentor, whatever you like to call yourself. What's, what's the advice, one, that you've received, you know, the best that you can remember? For
1: advice. Uh, and obviously, what advice would you give? Um so it's interesting now with coaching and stuff with how kids are today. And yes. I sound like a real old man saying <laughs> that, but uh, you know, around accountability and and being grateful. Yep. <laughs> but um, always be accountable. Yeah. That's okay. the biggest thing. Yeah. I, I always, the first person I'd blame if something wasn't good was myself. Yep. Not anyone else. Don't make excuses. If you want to do it. In combat sport, especially, it's a yep. hard, hard task. Hard and business. the more people you want to blame externally, the less far you're going to go. The, the less blame you're yourself. Yeah, be accountable and be grateful for anything that happens. That's the biggest things, and yep. that's what I drum into people. Be yep. accountable. Yeah. Be happy and grateful. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, that's-, that's and and definitely great, great advice. Great advice. So what? When we say, when I come to it, and I go. If I was to, you know, throughout everything that you've achieved, everything you've done, everything you've experienced, what what is Dan Kelly's rich life? When when you know, because a lot of people, <laughs> as I say, when I say rich life, I'm not talking about okay, it's it's all about having a million dollars in the bank, because everyone has their own rich life. What if today,
1: sitting here, what what's Dan Kelly's rich life? That's a good question. It's a good question. I. I mean we love the judo stuff. Um, we've just bought a cabin in the in the country. Um, Beautiful. <clears throat> need to spend more time with the family, yes. definitely. Yep. But then obviously we're in qualifying for Paris. Life balance is important, which I suck at. Yeah, right. I Absolutely <laughs> suck at. But life balance needs to improve. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy most of the time. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as
0: long as you're happy, that's that is the main thing, my friend. So again, over the Olympic Games 2000. 2000- 2004, 2008, 2012. So there's not, as I say, there wasn't too many people in in Australia that's done and competed as you have. You've had 17 17 matches in the MMA side of things with 13 wins and fourth Dan black belt in judo. That's crazy. First degree black belt in in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So throughout your whole life, that's, you know, dedicated to since you're seven years old, uh, is a, is an amazing accomplishment in, in regards to that. And, uh, you know, for today, just sitting down on the rich life projects, mate, um, I, I appreciate your time and, uh, man, it's just, it's been good to get the insight of Dan Kelly that, that people probably wouldn't hear of uh, too much of you know these days or even when you're fighting what the behind the scenes are so I appreciate your time my friend it's always good when we do catch up when we got the time <laughs> but uh, thank you for being on the Rich Life Project mate and I really appreciate your time no, no worries thanks for having me on Rich